Are y'all ready for the word this morning? Praise God. I know you are. I do have some good news to share. Um, those of you who know, I've been connected with Pastor Jenny Donnelly. And I don't know if you know this yet. But um, she does the Her Voice movement, and we're going to go there in July. So, ladies, if you want to partner with coming to Her Voice movement, Portland in July, I highly, highly recommend that you do what it takes to get there. It's going to be a prophetic time in the kingdom. Um, but I received a call from Pastor Jenny, Jenny, who has been a real gift into my life, and uh, she just poured into me, and she has invited me to a meeting while we're there with Lisa Bevere and a couple other high-profile lead leaders to help organize the Million Women March to Washington, D.C. So God has opened up a door of favor for this church to walk through for the glory of the Lord, and I am so excited to see what God's going to do. Amen? So if you want to know more about that, please contact me, and we'd love to try to get you there and be a part of that awesome time. All right, let's get into the series, Miracles. We are rounding the corner. We're actually finishing today uh, part three on miracles. If you've missed the first two weeks, I highly encourage you to jump online and listen to them. Uh, week one was how, uh, what do you do while you're waiting for your miracle and what's happening while you're waiting. It will bless you. Last week was about letting go of control. Say control. We learned last week that none of you want to control anything. You took notes for your friends and family and you shared it this week. I know that, but that's okay. But week three, we're going to finish up this series today. And it, the title is called Finding Peace for Your Miracle. Finding Peace for Your Miracle. And maybe while you're waiting for that miracle, there's a storm that's rising up in the situation. And have you ever wondered when you're going through a situation, does God really care about what you're going through? You might think so at first, but as that storm stays around a little while, you wonder, God, do you really care about what I'm going through? Do you care about my emotions and my situation? And we come to a place that we maybe don't believe God can really do what we know that he can do. We lose our hope and we lose our joy. And we get to a place where we go, if God really cared, he would make a change, wouldn't he? We serve a miracle-working God. God has all power to move mountains. But there's sometimes that he waits on moving those mountains, and we wonder, God, if you really cared, you would do something about it. I want you to know this morning that you're not alone in what you feel. You're not alone in what you feel in the storm. When you're in the storm, there are emotions that are rising. There's a perspective that you can't see. And that's why it's so important to listen to the two prior messages because as the Lord prophesied this morning, you are pushing into a new season. And then you may be in the eye of your storm. And sometimes it's the eye of the storm that is the ugliest. It's where you just really can't see anything but really trusting God in that moment. And I believe there's many of us here this morning that find ourselves in that situation. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 today. And what we're going to find is the disciples find themselves in an unexpected storm. Say unexpected. Have you ever just been serving Jesus, loving God, things are okay, they're not bad, and all of a sudden this storm just kind of hits your life? It's an unexpected phone call, a visit, somebody walks out of your life, situations happen, betrayal, and you find yourself in this unexpected storm. It's, you're facing something that maybe you didn't want to face or something that you didn't expect to face. Has anybody there or been there? Yeah, we've all been there. And in Mark chapter 4, let's look at these verses, verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, I want everybody to say, Jesus said. Jesus said. 
Jesus told them, he gave them an assignment, let's get up and go to the other side. Remember that. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. Now, I want to stop there for a minute because I've read this scripture a lot, but I never really hung on to the part where they took Jesus just as he was. And I begin to ask the Holy Spirit, why was that relevant? Why was that important in scripture? And I just heard the Lord say this, you don't have to over-romanticize Jesus. What does that mean? We don't have to try to make Jesus bigger than he already is. We don't have to add anything to Jesus. We see a lot in culture today, they're trying to make things big and dramatic to make the gospel of Jesus more effective. But Jesus says, I'm going to come as the word of God. I don't have to bring any emotions with it. I don't have to bring feelings with it. I'm going to come just as I am, the written word of God. And when we're in the storm, we have to remove the emotions of the storm and say, Jesus is coming, the calm of the word of God. And that word will work the miracle in your life more than your emotions can move in that situation. Amen? Jesus is coming just as he is. I said earlier, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He sits on the throne and he knows, the Bible says he wrote a book about you, it's already written. He knows the strategy of the situation that you're in, how to get out of it, how to find favor, how to find peace. He already knows the way. You go on and you see the rest of this verse. It says there were also other boats, or another translation says little boats with him. And I got to thinking, what happened to the little boats? What happened to them? All I know is the boat Jesus is in is the boat I want to be in. Amen. And so you're in the boat with Jesus, and all of it says in verse 37, a furious squall came up. It was a boisterous storm that was large and moving and fearful. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie White Squall. If you've seen it, raise your hand. If you have not seen the movie White Squall, you have to write it down and, and watch it. It's a true story about these young men taking a journey across the world, and they faced the great white squall. It's amazing. And it says, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped or filled up. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And if you look at that word stern, we all know it's the back of the boat. But it also is the same word as steer or to stir, steer it. It means that Jesus was at the place where he was operating and controlling the boat. And you have to remember, in your storm, Jesus is in full control. If he's in your boat, if you're where you need to be, and you're on assignment with Jesus, he's in the place of control. And that's why last week we learned we got to let go of control, because the word is settled in your situation. The word is always working on your behalf, amen, even though the storm is going around. So Jesus is in control. The word is in control. It says, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Don't you care if we drowned? My first, I'm going to share three points this morning of three temptations while you're in the storm. Number one, you start to question if God really cares about you. Does he really care about my children and the torment that I'm facing? 
Does he really care about the finances that I'm struggling with and I'm not able to meet the rent or pay the bills? Does he really care about the pain that I'm facing in my life or the brokenness of my past? And what we have to do in that moment where the storm and God's about to push you through, you have to go back to the word of God. What does the word of God say about the situation that you're in? Because the word is the only thing that's calm in your boat right now. The word is the only thing that's settled in your boat right now. And yet we're looking at the storm and we're terrified and, and we're trying to get control. And Jesus is like, I am settled in my word. And that's where we've got to open up God's word in whatever situation you're facing and find the written word of God and begin to declare it in your life. And I, I, I just wrote down a few, but Psalms 56, 8, David declared, I love this verse. He said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have to get it deep in your soul that no matter how far you feel God is away from you, you feel God has abandoned you, you feel like the miracle shouldn't happen. God says, I keep track of the sorrows of your heart. That means he's got a watchful eye on you. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. I have like those, what are those waterworks that are in cities and it's got the city name on it? Like I've got a few of those in heaven with my name on it. Anybody else? God's collected my tears. I've had many tears of sorrow and brokenness and wondering, God, where are you? But I love this last part of the verse. He said, you have recorded each one in your book. So whatever you're facing, if you feel like God has lost your attention and God has stopped caring for you, you need to take this scripture verse and let it be your anthem until you find victory and peace in your situation. Because God loves you. God has not forgotten you. There's a process of the storm that he's working things out in you and through you. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he has not stopped caring for you. Goes in Luke 12, verse 7. I love this. He said, and I never understood this verse, but it says, yes, God even knows how many hairs you have on your head. I'm like, why does God care about that? I lost quite a few over COVID. I don't know nobody else did, but I lost quite a few. But he said, I, I know the number of hairs on your head. Don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. And I asked the Lord this week when I saw that scripture verse, because I know that he cares about us, but why the hair? Why was that so important in scripture? And two stories just immediately came to my spirit. And one was the story of Samson. And his hair was signified as his glory, as his strength, and as his covering. Listen, God cares about the glory of your life. He cares about your strength. He's not going to make you look bad when you're trusting him. He's not going to fall short for you because you feel in this storm. He's not there right now. He said, I know the hairs on your head. My glory is covering you. My strength is upon you, and I am watching over you. Then I thought of the story, which we all know, the woman and her hair. The Bible says it is her glory and her strength and her covering. God cares about what you're going through. When you feel like you're losing hope, he gets attention when you're losing hope. And he begins to shine in your life. We even have one for us people with gray hairs. Let me say amen. Proverbs 16, 31, even the ones who hide them and cover up. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. 
Man, God's glory is over your life even when you don't see him and when you don't feel him. And when you feel like you have no more strength to go on, yes, you do. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if you're not in joy, you may be running low on strength. So what you need to do when you go home today or wake up tomorrow, you need to stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You need to pray in your holy language and say, God, I'm stir up my joy, stir up my peace, stir up the word of God, stir up hope on the inside of me. Listen, it's only the word and the Holy Spirit that can stop the storm in your life anyway. Amen. God cares about what you're going through. Mark 4.35, we'll go on, we'll break that scripture down again. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, I'm going to put a picture up there of the Sea of Galilee. And this lake was 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. And as you can see, there's mountains on both sides. So this sea, this sea is known for fero ferocious storms. There was explosive thunderstorms that would happen and, and gale force winds. And at this moment of the story, the disciples had been ministering all day. Somebody say they were tired. There are times when you're tired, and Jesus says, you know what, get up, because we're going to the other side. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. God, we're Jesus, we're tired, and I don't really want to go to the other side. Has anybody ever been there? I don't want to pick myself up. I don't want to encourage myself in the Lord. Maybe this is just me. I don't know. I'll just preach to myself crazy. I don't want to pray in tongues. I don't want to fast. I don't want to receive my communion. God, I'm tired, Jesus. You know I've been working with you all day. Give me a break. Jesus said, you know what? There's something in you I need to show you. Get in the boat, boys. Get in the boat. And on the other side, it's known that the Gentiles lived on the other side of the sea they were about to go to. And the Jews avoided the Gentiles because they called them pagan people. It was actually rumored that the devil himself lived in the Sea of Galilee. It was a superstition sea. And um, there was a quote that I found by a Bible commenter, comment, commenter, and he said this, The sea was known to swallow entire ships and gulp down people. It was a common superstition to veer the water as the abyss where demons lurked in the deep. This sea was considered the manifestation of the realm of death. And yet Jesus tells his disciples, get into that boat. And while they're in the boat, what happens? The storms blow up. The winds begin to happen in that situation. You know, Jesus never said, because we love him, we'll be exempt of the storms. He always said, I'll be there with you. I've never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But I never said you wouldn't have the storms. Amen. And John 16, says, Jesus said, have I told you, have I, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have hard times or trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Come on, somebody. You can have peace in the middle of the storm. I asked the Lord one day, I was like 18 years old, and I just asked God crazy questions. I said, Lord, what is peace? I just had my notebook and paper. What is peace? And the Lord says, peace is silence and a multitude of noise. And we think peace is, it all has to calm down. But because you've got the word in the center of your boat, you've got the quiet working of the word of God, you can have the peace of God in your storm until you get to the other side. 
But they didn't recognize Jesus in the boat. If we know the story, they didn't recognize the word of God. And so because they saw the storms, they were terrified. And the disciples felt desperate. Has anybody ever felt desperate? And in the middle of this storm, they lost whatever illusion of control they thought they had. It was gone. And they woke up in this unexpected storm. And what they were really saying to Jesus is this, not do you care. Their hearts were really saying, you don't care. You don't care, God. Because if you really did care about me, you would do something in this situation. And our heart gets into despair, and we lose our hope. We lose our peace. We lose our faith in God. Now look at Mark 4, verse 38. The first part of that verse again. It says, Jesus was in the stern. His presence is with you wherever you go. His presence and anointing is in your boat, and it's sleeping on a cushion. Let me say this again, because we can say it and shout, but I want you to hear it in your spirit. Jesus, his presence is in your boat. He is there with you. He doesn't leave you in your storm. My second point this morning is this, temptation is we can get so caught up in the what of the storm that we forget who is in the boat. It's so easy to get caught up in the torment of that storm. What's happening, God? Why am I going through this, God? Why do I feel out of control? What is going to happen? And all of a sudden, fear begins to rise up in your heart, and the wrong emotions begin to rise up. We see so many Christians fall away in this moment because they're looking at the storm instead of Jesus who is in the boat. We've got to get our eyes out of what is happening. That's even in the world today. Quit looking at what is happening in the world. Quit looking at the economy. Quit looking at bad news. Quit looking at things are hard and going to get harder. No, I have the who. I have Jesus in my boat. I have the word of God in my boat. I have the written word of God that is yes and amen and will not return void when I send it out. But it will come, come back accomplished according to the will of God. We've got to stop looking at the what, amen, and start looking at the who is in our boat. The who is more powerful than the what. Let's look at scripture really quick to build your faith this morning. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, God will never fail you nor abandon you. The Bible calls the word of God as the anchor of your soul. So when the storm is coming, your soul is going to begin to make wrong decisions. Your soul is going to begin to feel negative things. But when you've got the word, you get your word from God, what happens? It goes down deep and it anchors you in that storm and nothing can move you from that word. But the only reason why we have Christians tossed and turned, even with doctrine and garbage that's out there in the world today, is because they don't have the word anchoring themselves to the solid ground so that they won't be moved. We need what God is saying on the situation, amen? He won't fail you and he won't abandon you. That needs to be your shout. If you can't say nothing else, God, Deuteronomy says, you'll never fail me, you'll never abandon me. You declare that word of God. Joshua 1.5, he says, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, talking to Elijah. Elijah was terrified of his next assignment. He was fearful of the people and what they would say. And God said, I'm going to be with you, don't worry. Joshua 1.9 says, do not be afraid nor discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
you got the Holy Spirit hovering in presence in your life. Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen, God is with you even in the dark seasons of your life, even more so than you think that he is, because your emotions are out here, and we've got to bring them back to the written word of God. Matthew 28, 20 says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. God has promised his presence in the word of God over and over and over that God's presence is with you. Let me say this this morning. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let it doubt. I've been vulnerable with you about my journey the last three years. It's been a challenging season. I'm like, Lord, I know I've had other ones. But these, this last one just seemed to be so big. And the storm was so great. And you just wonder, God, are we going to land on our feet again? You know, for some of you, God, is my marriage going to be restored? God, is life going to get back to normal? And then there's the storm. But the, the, the storm does not mean God is not present. And there's times in that storm that I had to hang on to God like I never hung on to him before. Listen, when someone breaks your heart, he's with you. When someone false accuses you, he's with you. When a spouse walks out of your life, he's with you. When you feel so abandoned and, and, and it seems like everything in your life just keeps shutting down, God is with you. When you lose your job, he's with you. You unexpectedly lose a loved one. He's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. I heard this story on TikTok. It was a young girl named Kristen, and her mom had died with cancer. They're Christians, and her mom had died with cancer, and all of a sudden, she's young married and went to the doctor. Something was wrong with her tongue, and she found that she had tongue cancer. And she was devastated, and she began to say, God, why is this? I thought I broke generational curses. I, you know, I'm walking with the word of God. And she found herself in this sudden storm that wanted to take over her life. And she shared this part of her testimony on TikTok, and she said, even though I could easily go back to the question, why, God? Why is this happening? God graciously taught me to change that why into the who. She said, I had to begin to look at, oh, Okay, so it's Jesus. He's like, be nice. They're good people. Be nice. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, she said, I, I had to stop looking at the why is this happening, and I had to get my eyes focused back on the who that could heal me, the one who could restore me. And she said, I asked myself, what can I do with this situation anyway? I reminded myself to submit and rely on the who in my life, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's my refuge, my strength, and my helper. And that young girl began to come to church and receive the prayer of faith. And she went into life groups, and she, re she received the prayer of faith. And she spoke the word of God and spoke healing into her life. And God miraculously healed her of the cancer of her tongue. 
Listen, when you give in to the storm, the storm wants to win. The storm, the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But if you will keep your focus on the word, the who that is in your life, he will not lead you astray. He will pull you out of the muck and the mire. He will pull you out of depression. He will pull you out of your wrong choices because he loves you. All you got to do is look unto Jesus. Reminds me when I, you know, I used to water ski. I haven't water skied in so many days, so many years, days, oh, Lord. You know, you get to an age where you're afraid you might break something, you know, like, I want to make sure everything's secure. But I remember we went uh, water skiing in Florida, and uh, my parents were there. Well, we'd water ski in the lakes, you know, with those giant crocodiles. But um, I remember I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm not afraid of crocodiles at all. I was like 18 or 19. So I jumped in the lake. Well, the first thing that was in my mind was this giant crocodile and these eyes coming out. And what happened is the boat wouldn't take off, and I found myself kind of floating, you know, while you're waiting. I'm floating into this high grass, and I'm like, get me out of here. Get me. I just want out of here, you know. I had to keep my eye on that boat, and as soon as that rope was lined up, I got into position. I'm like, pull me out of here as fast as I can. That's how we have to be with Jesus. You may be floating where the crocodiles are. You may be like, God, get me out of here. I don't know what's going to happen, but you keep looking, because at one moment, life's going to align for you, and God will pull you right out of that situation as long as you're looking to him. Amen? God always makes a way where there seems to be no way. God always has a miracle in his righteous right hand. He's just waiting for you to stay faithful in the storm. Hallelujah. Don't forget the presence of God in your life. Number three, some, some, things, um, some things you may feel that something's wrong if you're in the storm. You may feel something's wrong with you if you're in the storm. It's a temptation. Remember, it was Jesus who said, let's go to the other side. Jesus said, get in the boat. They weren't in the storm because they were out of his will. They were in the storm because they were in the perfect will of Jesus. We see the storm as negative sometimes. They had just went through all the parables. Jesus had given all kinds of teachings and parables prior to this story. And I think Jesus said, let's bring it home to these boys. See, there are some times in the storm where we learn things we wouldn't learn on dry ground. We realize what's on the inside of us. We realize where maybe our faith really isn't active. We realize where we've got some unbelief or unforgiveness or, or anger. There's things in the storm that come out of us that could never happen any other way. We're like, God, get me out of the storm. I don't deserve this. He's like, I've got you there to show you some things. Reveal myself to you. I know in, in my own storms, just some things that I wrote down that I learned, I learned the faithfulness of God. That was one of the big ones in this season. God is so faithful. I learned the miraculous power of God. In my storm, I learned to totally take my trust and confidence out of man. I mean, rip it out and put it right back to the Father. That there's nothing no man can do for me anyway that God the creator has to move this storm in my life. So I realized my trust was leaning in confidence on even good people that God put around me. God says, no, uh, I'm going to be your trust. I'm going to be the one that gets you out of this storm, amen? I learned that uh, my confidence was put back into him. I, I learned to get back into some warfare prayer. 
I learned to get back into worship and, and, and modernize my time to make sure worship became a priority in my life. I learned to set things aside and walk in this sanctuary and pray even when my flesh didn't want to pray. There's some things in the storm that drew me closer to the Father that have he left me comfortable on the sidelines I'd have never learned. God's like, the storm's going to take you to the other side. You may have not wanted to go there, but there's something great on the other side if you'll trust me in the process because I'm in the stern of your boat and I've not left you. Matthew 4.39 says, Jesus, the word, his presence, got up, rebuked the winds, and said to the waves, be quiet, be still. If you study out that, that word, it literally means The word got up and spoke silence to the storm. What happened? Jesus didn't play games. He didn't say, oh, God, if it's your will this time. He didn't beg the storms to stop. He spoke with authority. And the winds and the wave had to obey the sound of his voice, which was the authority of the word of God. He didn't say, please stop. He didn't say, I rebuke you and I bind you. How many just like to wrestle sometimes with God? We're like, I'll go on the mat wrestling. I'm going to fast and pray. And sometimes we do. But there's sometimes God says, take the word that's already in your boat. You don't have to wrestle with me because I'm already here. You don't have to earn or deserve the victory. I'm already here. Quit wrestling with me. Tell the storm to be quiet, silent, in authority, knowing who you are in Christ. Isn't it amazing? All he needed was one word. I want to prophesy over you this morning. You only need one word from God. You don't need all those chapters. You need one word from God. You need to dive in the word and say, God, give me a word from heaven. What is my one word in this storm? And I will hang on to it, and I will fight the good fight of faith, and I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to quit, and I'm definitely not going to drown in my circumstances. Man, what I love about this, Peter who is a fisherman, he's fished, I'm pretty sure, on some pretty crazy storms. But even Peter was freaked out in this storm because it was so big. And you wonder, what could have these guys learned? Well, you look at 1 Peter 5, 7. He wrote, verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Maybe Peter dug deep in that moment where he was in the storm and he learned, I had Jesus in the boat. I was anxious about the circumstances, but I cast it off onto him. That word cast means, uh, in, a, in the Greek word, it means to transfer like a weight. So many of us are carrying the weight of the storm. Listen, I did too. I had one on each shoulder and I was walking through cement, so I get it. There are trying times. But we have to do what the word says. We got to transfer that weight to Jesus. Put it at his feet and walk away. Let the burden of the situation be off on the Father. Amen? Everybody say, let it go. <coughs> Sing it really quick. <coughs> I'm just kidding. I just want to drink water and I want you to be distracted. Let it go. Get it off unto God where it belongs anyway. I'm going to wrap up with this. <clears throat> what do we do? Where do we go when we're in the storm? And the timing of this video was so perfect. Jesus said, get in the boat. The church has to come together in this hour. We have to be in the boat together. It's not a time to be alone in the kingdom. 
It's not a time to do your own thing. Remember the little boats? I hope they made it across. We don't know. We never heard of them again. Can't be on our own in this hour. We have to be gathering together, amen? Come together. Worship together. Know each other. Pray for one another. Stand on the promises of God together. Cast our cares together to Jesus. The body needs to stand unified like it's never been before. Amen? Because we're better together. We're stronger together. I think one of the most beautiful programs we have, and it's the first time we've launched it actually open to the people, is our Rooted program. We have over 30 people together, 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 sharing their stories, sharing their faith, sharing their experiences, and saying it's going to be okay in what you're going through. This is what I tell pastor's wives that I meet. I said, you know, coming together as pastor's wives, it's not always about what you come to learn. It's about what you come to give. And I think in the church, we need to get that mind back. It's not all, well, Pastor Barb, you better teach me some deep theological stuff. I mean, really, how much more do we need to know? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. That was his assignment. And make disciples of men. That's what we're called to do. Have signs and wonders follow the church. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with learning more. I'm constantly learning. I'm reading books all the time. But that's not what the body of Christ is for. We come together for one another. There's someone who needs your story, somebody who needs your experience. How did you come out of the storm? How did your marriage get saved? How did you go through when your wife or husband stepped out on you? There are miracles inside of you that others are waiting to hear. Amen. We need each other. Let me go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you this morning for this amazing church. God, and all that you're doing, Lord, you truly are a miraculous God. And I thank you for every family and marriage that's represented here and online. Every person that's here, God, every single person waiting for their helpmates, God. I thank you, Jesus, that whatever storm they find them in, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak to them truth. That as they go to your word this week, they will find their one word from you, God. They'll find their one answer, their one hope, their one joy. And Father, I pray that you minister to every heart that may feel alone today. God, let them feel your peace covering them, that everything's going to be all right. That, God, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I want to give everyone the chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And if you're here this morning and you know there's a place that you shouldn't be, there's a place in your heart that you need to align back to the will of the Father, I'm just going to ask you to make that commitment to Jesus today. You may not feel, well, I'm off in sin, and I'm, I'm not doing that, Pastor Barb. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying if you feel like your relationship is out of alignment with the Father, it's time to get it back. Amen. It's time to get back in love with his word, in love with spending time with the Father. So I want to ask us all to say this prayer this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins, my shortcoming, my fear, the sense of abandonment, and I receive your love, forgiveness, and grace. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a great big shout. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, men of Faith Builders, there is a conference coming up with the bishop, the covering of our church. And the date has been moved up. You'll see the announcements, but I just want to encourage every man to get here. It's going to be a prophetic night of our covering being here. And bring some friends with you. Amen. And then Faith Sisters, we have our garden party. Make sure you get your ticket. We're going downtown, girls. We, like, elevated our party. So we're going to have a wonderful time together doing that. I love you all. Let's welcome Pastor Paul.